Do you love listening to the tarot diagnosis? Would you like more of it in your life? Come visit our shop where you can buy a growing collection of mini courses, guidebooks, and soon to be much, much more. It's a great way to expand your own tarot practice, check in with your mental health, and support our work. Just go to thetarotdiagnosis.com and click the shop link. We're so grateful for your support. You're listening to The Tarot Diagnosis. We're your hosts. I'm Luna. And I'm Shannon. We're both clinical psychotherapists who train together at Johns Hopkins. Now we are both in private practice in Tampa, Florida, and in Baltimore, Maryland. We also both happen to have a love for tarot. Each episode, we work to demystify the tarot and explore its connections to mental and emotional health. While this podcast may feel therapeutic, it is not meant to take the place of psychotherapy. Join us while we pull cards to better understand ourselves and those around us. Hey, Shannon. Hey, Luna. So today we're going to talk about a subject that is really raw for a lot of people and that a lot of people have actually asked us to talk about. We're going to talk about the concept of shame. Yeah, yeah, a lot of people were super interested in it. We we had people reaching out to us for several weeks saying, hey, have you talked about shame yet? Are you going to talk about shame? And it was on our list and we, we bumped it up because everyone was like, hey, we really want to hear you talk about this. And I think getting all those messages really goes to show how universal of an experience and how uncomfortable um, the, the experience of shame is for all of us. I mean, I think I'll just sort of do like the disclaimer and the acknowledgement of I'm so grateful when we put the question out there and people actually did ask a whole bunch of questions and give us things to talk to about shame. Because honestly, it's a topic that I think we all struggle with, including myself. Like mm -hmm. it, sh it shows up in my life. It showed up this week. So um, I'm glad that we're shining some light on this. Yeah. And so in preparation for the episode, you know, just you know, kind of brushing up on the concept of shame, I came across a, a few assessments and I was like, you know what, I'll take one of these. <laughs> and I was like finishing scoring my assessment before we hopped on here. And I'm just like, oh, oh these are these are high numbers. <laughs> I don't know what this means yet, but these numbers don't look very good. So <laughs> it is a universal experience and I'm really glad that we're going to talk about it. And I'm so glad that, like you said, so many people were like courageous and vulnerable enough to respond to our story and ask us a bunch of questions. They were really, really great questions. We're going to try to get to as many as we can today. And I think it'll be a pretty tarot heavy episode, which I'm excited about too, because I think we're going to be pulling a lot of cards. Absolutely. And I think we'll do that in a second. But can I just like say one thing real quick? These assessments that like, I, I didn't even know there was an assessment for shame. It's like really cool that there is. You know what, like, I think it's great for people to take them, but realize that you're taking it at any given moment on any given day. Yes. And it's a way of tracking, like maybe you score high. I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to listeners. Uh, <laughs> if you score high on the shame, like, let's see if we can like do something about it. And let's go back and retest in six weeks and see if we can get those numbers down. Totally. That's what we do in therapy, right? It's totally. like, hey, let's give you this depression or anxiety assessment and then let's check it again in like, you know, between two and six months, depending on what you're in therapy for. So that's a really good point. And a lot of these, I wasn't aware of some of them either. Some of them are actually still being researched and developed. And a few came out in like 2020. So oh. um, the yeah, the super, super new, there really isn't even enough, I think, information out there that I would feel comfortable giving it to a client yet. But I was just kind of 
messing around. And I love that they're out there though, and that people are talking about it because, you know, I think there's, there's already so much research out there and studies that show that shame is highly correlated with anxiety and depression and just like our mood anyway. So Mm. it would make sense and be important to our field as, as mental health therapists that we do have access to something like that and that we are talking about shame because, you know, it's kind of the driving force behind a lot of the issues that we face mentally and emotionally. Yeah. It's a big landscape that needs to be talked about a lot more. It is. Do you want to pull a card on what we should think about as we begin to talk about shame? I think I do. Let's do that. What deck are you using? So speaking of shame, actually, I'm using the Wildwood Tarot. Oh, uh, yeah. Beautiful deck. I'm using it because earlier this week on Instagram, I posted about it and I sort of posted a little bit of a confession that it's a deck that I'm uncomfortable with because it's, it's kind of a uh, it doesn't line up nicely and it takes a little bit more work and it's complicated. And I admitted that I struggle with it sometimes. And a lot of people were so kind and were like me too. So I figured I would use the challenging deck and see what it brings up. How about you? What are you using? I love that that's what you're, you're deciding to use. Um, I'm using the modern witch tarot, which I don't think I've used on an episode yet. So I'm kind of excited about that. Um, and you just said something, it is a really cool deck. You just said something that um, is actually directly like correlated with shame. And that you said me too, um, that other people were saying that on your post Mm -hmm. and we'll get into this later in the episode, but you know, that's something that's really important when you're trying to combat feelings of shame, um, being able to share how you feel and have other people, you know, give you kind of like a sense of comfort and empathy. So I love that you got that. And our listeners and our Instagram community, you all are so amazing. We're so grateful for you. Luna and I were just like, kind of like gushing over you this morning. We were just like, they're amazing. And we're so lucky. So thank you. So true. We were. And, you know, I mean, I'll acknowledge what you just said, too. Like another thing that we did, because we talked a little bit before recording. We don't always do that, but this week we did. And we even talked about some things that are rough in our own lives and sort of did that validation for each other. Me, too. (laughs) Me, too. Yeah, exactly. It's important. It is. Okay, so what did you pull? (laughs) I pulled the five of wands. which I kind of like, I I like for this. It's like this epic battle that's happening. And I I don't know if I could have pulled, I mean, I guess I could have pulled another card that would have been great, but I wasn't anticipating pulling this card, but I love the image that it shows um, (laughs) because, you know, I think when we think of shame, we tend to think of shame internally, but the truth is there's this like external and internal experience of shame. And, you know, shame often fuels feelings of unworthiness. And that's because of things that we experience in our external world. And so with the five of wands, there's this kind of battle going on with all of these people. Um, So even with this combination of internal versus external shame, when we feel internal shame, we can still express it outwardly, which I feel like is what's happening with the five of wands. Like we're kind of like fighting off these like negative judgments of others or like shaming from others. Um, But shame is also very much this like battle with ourselves. And Mm -hmm. I'm looking at this five of wands thinking maybe all of these people in this this image are different versions of ourselves and the different ideas that we have about ourselves. And we're battling like, 
ways that we feel like we're supposed to be based on like societal cultural, religious, and familial norms. I feel like I could find a norm for each person, you know, in this card, um, norm and expectations really. But another aspect of this is thinking about like, how can we use our feelings of shame as a motivator? You know, I think for the most part, like shame wants us to like, um, curl up and, and hide. And what would happen if we battled that urge to hide, which, I feel like five of wands could also be an indicator of, I have a million thoughts about this card now. Um, so what if we challenged the presence of shame, <laughs> you know, whenever it came up based on these expectations or norms that we feel like we're supposed to uphold and they maybe don't align with how we truly feel or experience ourselves. I love the way you talked about how like it's, it's all of us like that, those, that battle is not with other people. It's about with versions of ourselves think of that's brilliant. I think another way of thinking about that is how does shame play into this fight of these people sort of like whacking each other around with with large sticks. I mean, how much of it is like I know that I personally the times when I get the most angry is often linked with when I am embarrassed and yes. when I'm experiencing my own version of shame. Mm-hmm. That's when I tend to get a little snippy or start to go on the defense or even the attack. So how much should we look at that card and think everybody in this, in this image is filled with their own version of shame? Totally. I, yeah, 100%. And you bring up a really good point about that feeling of embarrassment because some people may be more prone to fight. Some people might be more prone to freeze and some people might be more prone to fly, you know, flight, fight or freeze. Um, you know, and that's super indicative of shame. Some people are like, mm, Oh my gosh, this thing happened. I'm embarrassed. I'm going to run away and hide. Um, or I'm going to try to, you know, prove myself and I'm going to try and prove myself yes. by, by fighting. Um, or I don't even want to deal with this. I am not even going to bother hiding. I'm just going to like go far away. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So what did you pull? So um, <laughs> I pulled a challenging card, I think. Um, again, I'm using Wildwood, which is an interesting deck. It, you have to kind of like look things up. At least I do. I pulled card number two, which is called the Seer, the S-E-E-R, which mm-hmm. is uh, essentially High Priestess. Um, oh. Yeah. And it's, again, like a gorgeous card. Like this deck is totally beautiful. Um and I, I don't think I necessarily need to go into the image. It is of a mystical type woman uh, standing and clearly getting in touch with a higher power. And I think that that is an interesting message around the concept of shame, too. I think that shame is about us sort of not it's, it's essentially like I don't feel good enough. And I think that we when mm. we put it up against that like five of wands. To me, that's sort of a, I'm worried about other people judging me. I'm worried about getting thrown out of the tribe. I'm worried about being yeah. ostracized. Whereas this almost feels like the antidote of the way to um, alleviate shame is by getting in touch with your true self and connecting that to whatever sense of source you have and um, becoming back to a state of balance. But that is hard to do with other people. I love that that's how you are experiencing that card. It makes me think of it in terms of like a protector. Um, and I think, you know, you're, you're 
headed in an important direction in terms of kind of healing or like healing from shame or, you know, the antidote to shame, which, you know, shame and vulnerability researcher Brene Brown says is empathy. And I think maybe that card is saying something we need to keep in mind when it comes to shame is that we need to have empathy for ourselves. We need to have compassion and and protect, you know, our, our inner self and be able to analyze kind of what is, true and what is um what is untrue yeah I mean it really is about like like I think that shame is very much about trying to decide am I an okay human being Mm -hmm. and a lot of us are not convinced that we are and I I mean I, I think that that's actually like a lot of our life's journey is trying to we're like actually come to terms or come to peace with the idea of I am fundamentally okay. Mm-hmm. I think that takes most of our lives. Oh, without a doubt. And I feel like I was having a conversation with someone recently about something similar, but you know, I mean, much like any of the emotions that we experience throughout our life, there is no like magical remedy to rid ourselves of them. They're going to be here, but how we exist with them makes a difference on how we experience our life (laughs) and how we experience ourselves. And that does take a lifetime because, you know, we're continually like learning and growing along the way. And so what's maybe working for us at one point in our life might not work, you know, later on in our life. And we have to figure out, okay, how do I manage shame now in my thirties versus in my twenties when I pretended like it didn't really exist or I hid from it, you know, now that I'm in my thirties, maybe I'm wanting to, you know, fight it, but that's, you know, causing issues or, you know, when when I'm in my forties, like Mm -hmm. what is, how am I going to, to balance that? So yeah, it's a journey. And I think that's what's beautiful about life and emotions is we we get to experience them in so many different ways throughout our life. They're never going to be the same. Well, I mean, and I, I mean, you just talked about Erickson there, right? Like Eric's Erickson's right. like theory of, of development, like yeah. at every stage in our life, we have the opportunity to grow and also the opportunity to fail and the opportunity to feel ashamed of ourselves. Yeah. So like the shame that I felt when I was 12, like that shame isn't as strong anymore or has shifted. And now the shame in my forties, uh, has a different flavor. There's a different task. Yeah. And I love that you brought up Erickson. I feel like we haven't talked about him in a while, but you know, (laughs) when the second stage of his development is exact is actually autonomy versus like shame and doubt, Mm -hmm. um, you know, and that's early childhood. And it's when you start to develop this kind of sense of who you are. And I think what's really interesting about shame too, is we are not born being able to automatically experience that emotion. You don't have a sense of like who you are and, and like a conscious like view of yourself until you're about two years old. And so I think like during that time, that's when we really have to start like being careful with how we experience or portray feelings of shame and making sure we're not shaming others around us because that's when you can really start picking up like, you know, at two years old, you start to become aware of yourself. Um, so I thought that was really fascinating. Um, and it makes sense that Erickson's stage is, you know, early childhood too. 
Yeah, I mean, you're bringing up um, a question that we actually wrote down, which is where does what is shame and how does where how does it work and where does it come from? A mm-hmm. lot of questions that we got were sort of at least beginning from that of like, what is this even about? Um, and I think it's important to point out that, yeah, like it's not necessarily inherent, but although I might argue that there is a part of a, a wiring in us that is predisposed to the concept of mm-hmm. shame because we are social and right. we live in packs and we are dependent upon others for our own survival. So shame comes from that place of not wanting to get thrown out of the group. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, you, you know, you bring something up that's really important. You saying, you know, us being tribal creatures and not wanting to be outcasted. That's definitely like where so much shame is rooted because we need to rely on people to survive. And someone actually reached out and said, you know, in so many ways, shame is tied to religion for me. And, you know, we hear that all the time, you know, in our practices. And it's, I think, a really important topic to to explore because, you know, there are so many rules and expectations within organized religion. And when you're around that and then maybe you start to think or exist outside of that space, you start to have this feeling like you're doing something wrong <laughs> because mm-hmm. shame tends to visit us. Like when we feel like we violated some sort of, you know, norm, like I was talking about earlier, like societal, Mm -hmm. cultural, religious, um, you know, shame is very controlling over us. You know, shame makes us feel like we're damaged goods. So it would make sense that for a lot of people, shame can be wrapped up in religion. Absolutely. Like religion is basically just, um, I'm not speaking about it spiritually. I'm speaking of it in terms of like a social phenomenon. Right. Religion is an organization of a group of people who have agreed to set to live by a set of norms. And, you Mm -hmm. know, like we do see this, we've seen this for hundreds of years in a variety of religious organizations. We also see it in other types of organizations. I mean, like, my God, who amongst us have not had a workplace that um, was a little bit heavy on the shame? This is the way we do it. This is how it is. This is what we expect of you. And if you don't abide by it, then, you know, like for shame on you. Now, uh, the more entrenched that is, the more shame of response you're going to get. Like, so if you're raised in a religion, you're more likely to have a shame response. But if you're also raised with a cultural norm, you're more likely to have a shame response. So like if you're raised in a household, mm-hmm. for example, where um, the household is really like, let's say food regulated mm-hmm. um, or really cleanliness regulated, like you have parents who are really like, let's go with cleanly because it's easier, like mm-hmm. really into like, it's important that you pick up. It's important that you sweep. It's important that the house is like totally clean. That could invoke a sensation of shame into adulthood of not being clean, where you put your next door neighbor next to you, who like, you know, like maybe house a house, like a little bit more like mine with like three dogs running around and like, just like, we're not the cleanest household. I don't think my kids feel a ton of shame around that. That is, oh, I, you just brought something up. <laughs> like, should I include this? I don't know. But oh my God, I love that you just said all that because so I kind of come from that experience, but not like all the time. So, mm. you know, my, yeah, I have, I have a, a puppy, an 80 pound puppy, um, and super busy. So it's hard for me to, you know, keep things spotless. And, but I grew up and that when people would come over, the house better smell like bleach. And it was a frenzy, like before people came over. So that I didn't realize until you just said that, 
holy shit, that in, like instilled a sense of shame in me that if people are coming over to my house, it needs to look a certain way. And there's one of my favorite um, kind of comedian skit people um, created the skit. It's called Company is Coming by Chris Fleming. And I cry every time I watch that video. If you have not seen it, please look it up on YouTube. Company is Coming. It is the most hilarious, ridiculous skit of you know, people coming over and just like freaking out about the the state of your home. <laughs> it's like, it's amazing. But it's interesting because I didn't realize, yeah, even just like little moments like that. Now, like I was thinking I have people coming over this weekend and I'm like, all right, when do I get off work? When can I make sure the floors are spotless and the baseboards are wiped down <laughs> and there isn't dog hair everywhere? Um, so that's really interesting. And now I'm going to look at that a totally different way and realize that that was a, that's a learned version of shame. Sure. I mean, I think you bring up something really interesting too. When the um, the set of rules are really rigid, it can bring up shame. But also when the rules are like confusing, it can bring up shame. Like it's okay for the house to be dirty now, but right. not now. Right. Like, especially if that's the way you're being raised. If you're a kid, you're sort of looking for order. You're looking for like, this is okay. Like there, there are the boundaries. But if it if the rules keep changing, now you're in the fun house. And it's not very fun being in the fun house. No. And you know, what's interesting. So I pulled just a card for myself before we started recording and I couldn't really figure out how it, it related to what we were going to talk about, but I, it relates right now. I pulled, um, in this deck, it's called the hanged one. Um, but mm. I pulled the hanged one reversed. Um, and I was reflecting on it and I realized, Oh, okay. So shame keeps us attached to this concept of should, I should be this at this time. I should be that at that time. (laughs) And it like essentially just like keeps us like tied down to these, these expectations and makes us unable to see things as they truly are. Um, because we were, we're not able to, to shift a view for whatever reason. It's really interesting. So Another interesting question that popped up, which I love that this question came up um, because I wasn't expecting it. I don't know if you were, but um, someone said, if you don't have any shame, does that make you a sociopath? Right. I love the question. And like, I think you and I were kind of like, this could very well be a totally serious question. It also could be somebody who's doing it lightheartedly and we don't know. And I I don't know. Right. And both of them are fine. Um, Yeah. So first of all, I just kind of want to get like really nerdy and say like sociopath is not a technical term. Like, Thank you. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and people say psychopath and sociopath as if it's a diagnosis. It's not. Um, it's Mm-mm. a different diagnosis. And there is a diagnosis that fits, um, which we sort of talked about, like not necessarily going into because like really kind of don't love like how everyone's like diagnosing everybody you know like these days so yeah the um, armchair diagnosis totally but I would say that um the fact that this person if if this question is serious like I'm gonna tell you I wouldn't worry about being a sociopath because you're worried about your behaviors somebody who is this sort of model of the sociopath or the psychopath and like sort of if we brought it over to the DSM one of the key features is that you just don't Care. Like you literally yeah. don't care about how you're, how you are in the world or how it affects other people. So a sociopath would, or, you know, anti-personal, anti-social personality disorder right. would never actually ask that question, would just kind of be like, oh, I don't care. It doesn't matter. Right. 
Yeah, I love that that's what you brought up because, yeah, people, the term sociopath, psychopath, everyone kind of likes to throw that around. It's, you know, saying, oh, I, does this person have antisocial personality disorder? One, it's a mouthful. <laughs> um, it's, it's not as kind of like sexy to use. Um, but what's interesting, though, is research shows that high levels of shame actually increase violence. Mm-hmm. So that would go kind of against this question, right? Like, cause some sociopaths are, are violent or some people with antisocial personality disorder are quite violent. So, um, in that case, no, you would actually have a lot of shame because embarrassment and being shamed by people increases your ability to experience rage and anger. Mm. Mm. I mean, I think it's also important to to just note that, I mean, like, there's a spectrum in terms of how much empathy or caring we feel for other people. And some people feel a lot of it, and some mm-hmm. people don't feel as much. But that doesn't right. make you, like, uh, I'm going to go with, like, a bad person. Yeah. Um, I think that there's plenty of people who are not violent or um, disregarding of other human beings but who also like are just sort of not engaged in other people's experiences. And like, that's fine. Just yeah. Yeah, like it doesn't make you a bad person. Yeah. Or maybe they didn't learn how to be empathetic because empathy is and can be learned. And, mm-hmm. you know, if you're older and you feel like you don't have that much empathy, you can learn how to be empathetic. There's still time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was an interesting question. So another question that came up, um, which actually this one came up a lot. So I don't know how we want to weave it into everything, but someone asked, you know, how does shame from our past impact or influence our future? And then another person said, I struggle with shame about the past. And so it then fuels my anxiety about the future. It's, these are such good questions. I think that this is sort of the root of it. And I feel like these are the ones that we should pull a card for. Yeah, I agree. Um, Before we pull a card, I just want to, because we haven't pointed this out yet. So guilt and shame (laughs) kind of get confused. And I feel like these two questions are are, are, like good questions um, to differentiate between guilt and shame. Um, So feelings of guilt sound like, you know, what I did was so shitty. Um, Where feelings of shame sound like, I am a shitty person. Right. So when someone's saying, how does shame from our past influence our future? When someone says, I struggle with shame about the past, it kind of makes me think like, okay, wait, is is this more guilt or is this more shame? We don't know because we don't have any more information. But I did want to just like put that out there that, you know, guilt and shame do sound a lot alike. Shame is I am. Guilt is what I did. So, Mm -hmm. but let's pull a card on this. I'm switching over to Everyday Witch because I feel like oh, it's nice. such a, um, it's, it's a very accessible deck and I need accessibility right now in this moment. <laughs> yeah. I feel like you haven't used that one in a little while. I, I feel like I haven't seen it on Instagram. I miss it. What did you pull? So I pulled um, Six of Cups, which is Ooh. hilarious for the question. Yeah. Um, right, because six, six of Cups is a- about nostalgia and about childhood. And I think that this is a really um, powerful card, actually, to bring up around this question of how does um, my past affect how I view my future and how I view myself? Mm. I think that this brings up the concept of reframing 
or um, claiming your own narrative, which is what a, a lot of what we do in therapy is sort of being able to say, yeah, like I understand, like in the household that you grew up, let's go back to the cleaning example. Like if you grew up in a household where you felt like you were bad and sinful or terrible for being dirty, as an adult, we can go back and look at that experience and say, you know what, like, I think maybe like my parent had a problem with being a little obsessive (laughs) or sort of like maybe had their own stuff there and being able to reframe it and say, that was something that I felt embarrassed about, perhaps guilty about. It's something I felt shamed about, but I can shift this shame over to, I am not a bad person. That was just a weird set of rules. I really love that you brought reframing in because we have a responsibility to ourselves that once we are, you know, kind of out of that environment of where we were raised to then evaluate what served me and what no longer serves me, what actually belongs to me and what baggage belonged to the people who cared for me. And reframing is one of the most powerful tools that I think we can use for our mental and emotional health. So I'm so glad you brought that up. Yeah, I think I've talked about this card before. Like it's for me personally, a a difficult card, because I don't have tons of happy memories from being a child and sort of like it, it touches a pain point for me. But I think that we can sit and decide how we want to tell that story to ourselves. And I think a lot of people struggle with this. But what you just said was exactly spot on. It's our life. We can change it and change the story and decide that's not something that I need to feel um, embarrassed about. I feel like those things, I keep wanting to link them. Like embarrassment Mm -hmm. leads to shame. Right, exactly. And being able to sort of say like that's embarrassment or -hmm. that's guilt. Mm -hmm. And that is not who I am. That's just something that happened. Yeah. I mean, I was listening to Brene Brown speak once and she spoke about this, oh, this horrible like experience that she saw in the classroom once of this teacher just embarrassing the student and how shamed the student felt. And my heart like broke listening to it. And I just think like, oh my God, what is that child's narrative going to be now? Mm -hmm. And Sure, it's easy for us to sit here and say, especially as therapists, like, yeah, change the narrative um, because we do this all day. So, like, you know, like when you are constantly working on it with other people, it's a little bit easier to work on with yourself. But, you know, it's not something that will happen overnight. You do have to sit down and evaluate and say, what did this mean? Like, what prompted this to happen? Is this actually true about me or is this more about the other person? And that could take months or years. Um, So be gentle with yourself while you're rewriting your narrative. You know, and I think that's where we sort of send a shout out to therapists. that's, That's the work that we do is allowing yourself to go into like a room or a phone call with another person who essentially is saying to you, hey, I'm going to listen to your story and I promise you, I'm not going to make you feel ashamed of who you are. Yes. It's actually takes a lot of courage to walk into that room. Mm. I mean, without a doubt, it's, I usually, that's usually my response in emails and phone calls when someone 
reaches out to me, I'm usually just like, thank you so much for reaching out because I know how difficult it is. And you literally like just did the most difficult thing. So (laughs) like, congratulations. Um, So the card I pulled is, I feel like I'm kind of looking at it differently now based on our conversation about the six of cups. Um, I pulled the seven of wands reversed. Oh, yeah. So your, your discussion (laughs) about your card is really making me rethink my own, but I think, um, I'm looking at this card as a card of self-doubt and feeling as though you're kind of like, you know, kind of under that microscope of judgment, right? You know, yourself and your behavior, your choices, fearing that they're the opposite of what other people expect of you. You know, it's again, that's, that's what shame is. And all of those feelings can often make us feel like literally like ungrounded. Like we can't find a solid surface to stand on. And I mean, that's the seven of wands reversed. Um, you know, and it shows, you know, these other six wands, um, you know, from above instead of below. Cause you know, when the seven of wands is upright, you're, you know, the person's like kind of like looking down with their wand and trying to almost look like fend them off. But, um, in this instance, it almost looks like the person's like shielding themselves or trying to hide from, from those wands, or maybe even, maybe even like analyze them and decide, you know, which ones can stay and which ones can't, which I think is what inspired my new thought process based on your card. Oh, you know, like really struck. I, you know, I tend to have all the cards like sort of laid out. So I grabbed it and I'm holding it in my hand and I'm holding next to it, the six of cups, which um, in, in this deck is really a traditional, like somebody's handing um, a a smaller child, a, a flower, like a pot of flowers. And I mean, I think that a lot of this idea of shame is going from this place of I felt attacked, mm-hmm. I was attacked, mm-hmm. I feel defensive, I feel like I have my feet off the ground, I feel like totally upside down and confused, yeah. and allowing yourself to go back to this place of what I deserve to experience is love, kindness, and for somebody to hand me a pot of flowers. That's the way it's supposed to be. Now, that's really like simple to say, but to actually bring that idea into your heart, um, like I'm getting a little choked up thinking about it like that. Mm -hmm. That's so vulnerable to be like, I'm deserving of that type of love and forgiveness rather than being attacked. I mean, I feel like people could spend years on just that idea. Oh, I mean, and you're bringing up even more for me now, because now I'm looking at this card and I'm thinking about how behavior is learned and the establishment of our own personal narrative is usually learned based on observation and interactions with, you know, the people we're most exposed to. So, you know, our caregivers, our teachers, our friends, family. And so, you know, this card is almost like looking at all of those experiences and making mental notes almost on like, okay, this one can stay, this one can't. And it's important to remember that our brains are like pre-wired to search for danger. So it's so much easier for us to grab a hold of the things that feel bad and only see the like the negative judgment and and really re-experience the shame that we've felt throughout our lives because we're trying, our brains are trying to protect us. So it's looking out, it's being hypervigilant. And so you know, this seven of wands is almost making me think of like the hanged one. Cause I, I pulled the mm-hmm. hanged one reverse reverse. So it couldn't have that 
new perspective. And it's almost like the seven of wands is swooping in and saying, well, the seven of wands is what's giving you that new perspective. Cause now you're upside down and you get to see all of these from a totally different view. Um, and you get to decide which ones are worthy of staying, which ones are beneficial to you and which ones aren't, you know, I'm, just, I'm glancing down at our notes and I'm like realizing that so much of like the questions that come from this point on are really about what we're talking about from here. Like this idea yeah. of what do I do with this? That I have yeah. this shame, I have this guilt, I have this embarrassment and I don't know how to manage it. And then I had this very weird experience. I looked down at all the cards that I had pulled out and I don't really put them in any particular order and they just sort of like throw them down to um, see what happens. And it just so happens weirdly that, um, I have seven of swords right next to eight of swords just by happenstance. And my eye landed on it. And I feel like this is kind of the crux of a lot of this seven of swords to me is sort of, you know, like it's that image of the guy, like running away with the swords. And that to me feels like the, um, the perfect image for some of these (laughs) questions that we asked. Like there was a question that says something like, um, I've always struggled with shame from the past and things I shouldn't have done. Well, Mm -hmm. that feels like seven of swords, like this, like I shouldn't have stolen all those swords or I shouldn't have, you know, ghosted my friend or I shouldn't have, um, you know, hit that car and like not left a note or like whatever it is that you did. But then right next to it, eight of swords, right next to it of that sensation Mm -hmm. of like, now I am trapped by it. Mm -hmm. And it's a card that we look at a lot. How much of that being trapped is in your own mind? How much of this are you a prisoner of your own sense of embarrassment? And what could you actually do about it? That is so interesting because I feel like the way you're talking about those two cards is like the combination of guilt and shame together, like in this really like uncomfortable dance because it's guilt turning into shame. And then you're trapped within those eight of swords because you're experiencing so much shame because of what you did. So you originally felt guilty. And then because you didn't do anything about the guilty feelings that turned into shame. And now you have become what you've done essentially is you're saying you went from, Oh, I shouldn't have done that to now I have to pay because I'm a terrible person and I have to be trapped in this space. Yes. And, you know, I think that without uh, without a strong role model to help us think about, like, how can we think about ourselves if we've done something shitty? Like, we've all done something shitty. How do you make your peace with that? Yeah. Well, I think that's what we're essentially heading into now is, like, how do we manage these feelings of shame? Yeah. Maybe we should put a card just on that. Yeah, let's do it. I'm going to use another deck. Oh, look at you. I have all my decks next to me right now. So that is awesome. I'm going for Golden Art Nouveau now, my favorite. Okay. So what did you pull? Um, I pulled four of cups. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Which I feel like is kind of redundant um, based on everything we've just been saying, but it's kind of cool. Cause it's like, okay, how do we manage shame? Like, let's just again, reiterate that, um, you have to decide on what is beneficial to you and what's not. Um, And it's okay to welcome in new thoughts and new ideas. 
you know, when you're looking at the four of cups, so in this card, actually, oh, there's this little detail in this card. Um, this woman is like sitting there with her arms crossed and she's wearing this like gray hoodie with this black um, line across it and it says over it. <laughs> and she's got these three cups in front of her, but then there's this, you know, fourth cup being offered behind her, but she's just got her arms crossed staring at these three other cups. So it's like, okay, that's you only focusing on the cups that, you know, or we could say like the narrative or the thoughts or the shame that that you've held on to for so long. What happens if you welcome in a new thought or idea that totally like then messes up the dynamic of those three? But that's courage. It takes a shit ton of courage and vulnerability to be able to say, okay, you know what? Maybe these three thoughts, narratives, whatever, aren't actually good for me. I'm going to put mm -hmm. myself in a position where I'm, maybe I'm slightly uncomfortable. And maybe if I don't fully believe this about myself, I'm still going to interact with it and see what happens. Yeah. I mean, I think you're touching on something that's so interesting and so important. When does, I mean, like, and I would point to the devil card on this one. Oh, yeah. Right. When do we um, become reliant upon the shame? Mm -hmm. as a way, as a form of protection of some sort. If I feel shame and I'm beating up on myself internally all the time, then nobody else can get me. Like nobody's going to point out something wrong about me that I haven't already thought myself. Yeah. Oh God, that's such a good point. I love that. That's where you went with that card. Yeah. So true. Yeah. I mean, like maybe there's another option. Like maybe here we are sitting here talking, but like, so like, there's another way of thinking about this. Here's a reframe. I mean, <laughs> and you know, that's the thing about reframing, like in a therapy session is like, we have to tread gently with it sometimes. Yeah. Like I'll often pitch it out, be like, let me give you an alternative way of looking at it. And I'll say it and then say like, how true does that sound to you? Right. Cause that's the important thing. Mm -hmm. Like you have to get buy-in and you mm -hmm. know, sometimes I have to like basically go to battle. Like I really kind of think of it as like going to battle with yeah. the little devil inside the head. That's like, no, you're supposed to feel like shit. Mm -hmm. Like that particular devil is tenacious. Yeah. Yeah. Really. And we see this. Hmm. I want to talk about that in terms of perfectionism too. Yes. Um, like, or a version of perfectionism. Like maybe you don't want to use that word. Maybe you do. Maybe it's a word you claim. Maybe not. It doesn't matter necessarily. But like this idea of I have my own set of rules and I have to follow my own set of rules. And it's really important I do. You're really creating a world in which you're creating a fortress. Yeah. And it's not true, but mm -hmm. it's true to you. And it's very hard to break down those walls. Right. Because then all of a sudden you're exposed and it doesn't feel safe. And that goes back to your interpretation of the four of cups. Mm -hmm. I might get hurt. Mm -hmm. Which, okay. So can I tell you that the card I pulled, it's funny. Haha. <laughs> I pulled three <laughs> of cups. Oh, interesting. Uh -huh. I love that for this. I, I love, love it so too. Much. I love it too. It makes me so happy, particularly because yes. somebody even wrote down and I was like, clap, clap, clap. Uh, somebody wrote down on our question when we said like, what do you want to know about it? Um, somebody actually just wrote down sharing our feelings of shame yes. instead of internalizing. And this is true. This is what we said at the beginning. When we can sort of be brave and say, hey, I think this. And to have somebody validate and be like, oh, I feel that way too. Or like, no, that's not true about you. This wonderful three of cups with these, like, it's it's this friendship card and this rejoicing and this celebrating. Yes. Really, like, if you look at the card in the traditional deck, it's three women dancing around, holding up cups and enjoying what seems to be each other. They are delighting in the presence of being with each other and connecting. Mm -hmm. 
they might be celebrating something else, but in this moment, what we see is a celebration of each other and of self. And of like real rawness. I'm just going to throw in another like fun detail I just noticed yeah. on this cup. This is why I love these decks because you can just fall in love with them over and over and over again. There's some pumpkins in the corner of this card that I'd never noticed Aww. before. And I love pumpkins. So, And it's like fall it's in fall some now. places. <laughs> not in Florida. Pumpkins. It's not fall here. You can still maybe, go to the store and December. buy pumpkins. <laughs> Yes, I probably should. I love that you, I'm just like, I love that you pulled the three of cups so Mm -hmm. much. I'm so glad that card came out because, you know, the truth is like shame tells us we're bad, that we're wrong and that we need to like hide ourselves or keep quiet so that, you know, we're not found out type of thing. And, you know, silence and secrecy and solitude, all of that just like is fuel to shame and I feel like the three of cups is the total opposite of that because shame shame can't survive if we talk about it it can't it loses its power like once we shine the light of day on shame you know it's you suddenly like reduced to dust Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. you know it's like (laughs) I've been watching way too much of what we do in the shadows it's the ultimate vampire feeling (laughs) (laughs) vampires such a good show by the way if you're not watching it it's nice um but it's true and I'm so glad that card came up um it's a really nice card to to show up in a relatively like heavy topic so another question that came up was well not really a question but a statement that I think we should talk about is someone says it's really hard for me to accept parts of myself that want to express themselves you know that goes back to something you were saying just a minute ago, and it makes me kind of grateful for the internet because <laughs> I mean, and so I have mixed feelings, you know, as we all do. But I think that there is something about um, being able to see that, like, whatever you're experiencing, whatever set of rules you have, or sort of whatever shame you're feeling, to sort of check it and be like, are there other people who have this? I often will sort of send a client who is struggling with something. I'll be like, why don't you go and see if there's other people who have experienced this, like on Reddit or something? Mm, yeah. And, you know, sometimes that's a rabbit hole you don't want to go down. But sometimes it's really lovely to hear that sort of, I also have had that experience, um, even if it's, you know, over a computer screen. Yes, exactly. Should we pull a card? Yeah, let's pull a card on that self-expression part. Okay. Did you switch decks again? Or you, no, I'm going to stay with gold card. <laughs> now it's in my hands. I'm like, ah, oh, my true love. I just like to visualize which cards you're using. <laughs> so pulling a card on what we need to know about accepting parts of ourselves that we feel shame about i think so maybe or expressing accepting or expressing parts of ourselves yeah that we feel shame over oh god oh jinx (laughs) (laughs) oh man (laughs) we were both like (laughs) oh what'd you pull six of swords oh what did you get the tower reversed I'm pulling nothing oh, yeah. but reversed cards. Yeah. <laughs> just turn your deck upside down. Right? I know. <laughs> I should just be like, <laughs> it's all reversed cards today. <laughs> yeah. You so know, how do you feel about the, the six of swords? I'm, 
ah, I'm really like, I'm having a strong reaction and I'm trying to pay yeah. attention to like, what is this? Um, I think that I like, it keeps going back to the same idea that this idea of shame is that, as you said earlier, it's something that there's something wrong with me. And mm-hmm. to me, this six of swords is like a beautiful card with it because it's sort yeah. of saying, you know what, like, I'm just not going to accept that anymore. And it breaks my heart because I have to leave behind other parts of me or I have to leave behind other people or I have to leave mm-hmm. behind a system of belief or an identity. Uh, but this isn't serving me anymore and I have to move on. And I keep thinking about what I was just saying about Reddit. Like how many people have reached out and sort of found a community about some <laughs> piece of their yeah. identity, you know, like the, and I think it's so like, hang on, I'm trying to think of how I can tell this story in a, a, a slightly cloaked way. I, I mean, I've had clients find a lot of solace on the internet of finding actually stories of um, emotional abuse of sort of, because there's a lot of shame that can go along with why was I in that and why did I stay? And to read the other stories of other people who are like, yeah, I, I, I understand that. Uh, that was what happened with me as well. I, it feels very six of swords. Like I'm just going to get in the boat and I'm going to leave and I'm going to kind of silently weep as I go. I'm like over here going, all of our cards today are just like pairing together so powerfully and beautifully. And the six of swords is one of my favorite cards. I'm so glad that you pulled it. Like it's just one of my favorite cards. And so the tower, the way I'm interpreting the tower reverse is actually very similar to how you're interpreting the six of swords. So I think, you know, I think the tower tower reversed is this like representation of, you know, maybe shame disguising itself as like self-protection, which we talked about a little bit earlier, but I feel like, you know, it reversed can also signify like denial or resistance. So maybe it's like with the six of swords, maybe, you know, that you really need to get on the boat and, you know, get onto a different land, but it's difficult. And I think the feeling of resistance takes that shape of like self-preservation. Um, but finally like accepting yourselves and accepting yourself and having the courage to like share with others what's going on and say, you know what? No, it's, it's time to make a change. It's time to stop like living in denial and it's time to stop resisting change. Um, is like the highest form of vulnerability. You know, we, we feel like we're, we're putting ourselves on display to be judged a lot. And especially like when we're on the internet, for example, and we're like trying to even like find people who understand what we're going through. Um, and we may be accepted and we may not be accepted. Think about like just our Instagram community, for example, we've had so many people like reach out just like in DMs or comments and say, I'm so happy that you're doing this because I feel like I found my people. And I feel like both of our cards right now are basically saying like, you know, the fear of being outcasted stops us from like revealing our true selves and not belonging is actually dangerous. Like we know that we need people to belong to. Um, but you know, I think there's this misconception that everyone is going to negatively judge us. And that's not true. Like finding your people is key. And that's Luna, that's exactly what you keep saying is 
find who you do belong with, find who is going to support you, find who is going to lift you up, find who isn't going to make you feel this like intense shame that you've been feeling, you know, for who knows how long the reverse tower is just a false sense of security. You know, (laughs) I mean, you're not really avoiding or hiding from the impending doom. You're just isolating yourself from the people who you actually belong with. Yeah. I mean, and I think what you're saying you're hitting on all the pain points with this. The reason why reverse tower is scary, the reason why six of swords is scary is because like, we're not sure what's going to happen. Exactly. We just know that we have to leave something behind. And that goes back to what I was saying earlier about like fighting the demon. The demon's like, yeah, "Yeah, but like I've kept you safe so far, you know, like (laughs) even though it's like a lie, you know, like, but I kind of know, like I've, I'm letting you know what the rules are. You should probably listen to me. Being able to say, like, I'm not going to be that person anymore is Mm. uh, like, it's terrifying, but that's how we have to. And listen, I feel like what I'm speaking to, I feel like most people can relate to this at some point in your life. You either already have or you will have to look at how you think of yourself and who you are and parts of who you have experienced yourself as and say, like, that doesn't serve me anymore. I have to evolve. It's not pretty. And this is really, I mean, really what we're talking about is the shame resilience theory. This is what Brene Brown talks. This is, you know, something she developed back in like 2006, uh, a long time ago. Um, But she says, you know, the most vital aspect of resiliency when it comes to shame is being able to recognize that shame needs to be acknowledged and understood before it can be overcome. And you talking about, you know, how maybe it served us before. Yeah, let's acknowledge that. Thank you for serving me in whatever capacity you served me. Thank you for trying to keep me safe, but I don't need you anymore. Thank you so much for listening to The Tarot Diagnosis. You can follow us on Instagram and TikTok under the handle at the tarot diagnosis and join us while we pull daily cards and explore tarot and mental health in between podcast episodes. You can also subscribe to our podcast to make sure that you never miss an episode. If you have a topic or question that you'd like for us to explore on the podcast, you can contact us directly on our website, www.thetarotdiagnosis.com.